So I'm sure this is a passage of scripture uh, that is really very familiar with you. Um, and of course, uh, the Lord's Prayer is perhaps something that many of you might have learnt uh, as children. I'm going to look at the uh, words that we find in verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Some weeks, months ago now perhaps, time flies, um, I've been reading John Bunyan's Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners. It's an autobiographical work. And John Bunyan describes his Christian walk, his Christian experience, over several years following on from his conversion. And he's full of doubt. He's full of fear. He's full of temptations to blaspheme the name of God. And generally, he spends months and years being really spiritually depressed. And as one problem uh, drifts away like a cloud, another one comes in its place. And then perhaps the old problem reasserts itself and comes back again. And so for six, seven, eight years, something of that order, he just lived under a cloud. I mean, we all remember those uh, Looney Tune cartoons, someone walking down the street, and the cloud follows them. And, and that was John Bunyan's spiritual experience. Wherever he went, he had a cloud following him. And that lasted, as I say, for a number of years. When he came to write uh, Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners, he reflected on this period of his life and wondered and asked the question, why? Why was I like that? Why was life so depressing? Why was I so uh, full of fear? Why didn't I have any Christian joy? Why didn't I have any assurance of salvation? Why was I feeling uh, tempted uh, to blaspheme the name of God and all sorts of other things all the time? And he came to this conclusion that... He hadn't thought about the words of Matthew 6, verse 13, enough to incorporate that into his Christian life, into his prayer life, that he hadn't asked God not to lead him into temptation and to ask to be delivered from evil. And he said from, um, from a particular point in time, he made it his regular petition in his prayer to ask the Lord not to lead him into, temp into temptation and to deliver him from evil. And from that moment, that uh, cloud of doubt, that spirit of fear lifted from him. So my question to you, firstly tonight, is this. Is Matthew 6.13 a part of your life? Or maybe... You are a little bit like John Bunyan. You could be experiencing some period of doubt, 
a period of fear. And it's lasting a whole lot longer than it should because you've forgotten this injunction in the Lord's Prayer. And I thought that was really such a powerful lesson, a lesson for me. It spoke to me. And, and I just wonder sometimes whether we do labor uh, under a sense of uh, depression, under a sense of doubt, under a sense of fear, uh, and we're like that cartoon character walking uh, up and down and going wherever we will, and yet the same cloud is following us wherever we go. Well, that's something for you to ponder. Let's have a look at these words. We all, I think, know what temptation is. It comes to us in various guises. Uh, it comes sometimes uh, wrapped up uh, and, and looking uh, like uh, something uh, enticing and welcoming uh, and, and is not going to harm us. Um, uh, and at other times, uh, it can be a, a full frontal assault uh, on, on, our, on our souls. Well, we know where temptation comes from. There are three sources, so just very quickly. James tells us, does he not, that it's our own wicked hearts that lead us astray. Uh, the lusts of our hearts is where uh, temptation uh, takes its rise from. Uh, he tells us that in James 1, 14 and 15. And you see examples of people being struck by temptation um, throughout uh, Scripture. Think of, I always feel sorry for Achan. I don't know why, but I always feel sorry for Achan. You remember the character in, in Joshua, in the book of Joshua? They had conquered and stormed uh, and looted Jericho. And all uh, the goods, everything was to be devoted to the Lord. But poor Achan, his eye caught sight of a Babylonian garment that looked really smart, really trendy, really tidy. And he thought it wouldn't matter if he took it. And he saw uh, a wedge of gold. Uh, and uh, he coveted that as well and, and hid that. And he was found out. And, and, and the consequences uh, were, were dreadful for him. But he was tempted. And the temptation led uh, to him uh, yielding. Uh, and, and for very sad consequences afterwards. Or maybe we can think of uh, King David as another example. Just a warm evening, like tonight, taking a stroll on his rooftop garden. Just happens to look down uh, and into a house. Couldn't help it. But there's Bathsheba having a bath. And we all know what uh, actions happened after that. Job says, doesn't he, uh, that he had made a covenant with his eyes, uh, that he wouldn't look with lust upon women. It's so often it's our eyes that lead us astray uh, and, and our hearts and the desires of our hearts uh, that uh, ferment these things. Well, that's one source. Second source is just this, the company we keep. 
Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, that bad company ruins good morals. We all uh, think we're a little bit stronger than we are. Uh, and uh, bad company soon shows us that uh, it's much easier to go with the crowd than to stand up against the crowd. And of course, lastly, the Satan himself. We can be quietly minding our own business and then you know what it's like. Suddenly a thought flies into your mind. It's one of his fiery darts. Uh, and it hits the target and it burns. And it consumes you. And you can't shake it off. That's what he's like, isn't it? He knows how to hit a target. And he knows us individually. He watches us. And thoughts will lodge in our minds that come from him. Notice, right at the very beginning, in the book of Genesis, chapter 2, um, it's Satan, or the serpent, that draws Eve's attention to the fruit. She'd walked around the garden, and she'd probably paid no notice of that tree, uh, and the one that God said you shouldn't eat from. Oh, well, it was there, but, you know, it, it was no bother, and, and then Satan's there. Have you looked at that tree? Have you considered that tree? Are you allowed to eat from that tree? What has God said? Did God really say that? And then she starts looking at the tree. And we read that uh, she looked and she saw that the fruit was attractive and that it was good to eat. And the next thing is, she's eating it. He'd drawn her attention to it. And just like a fiery dart, she couldn't get the object out of her mind. And she looked at it and looked at it. And she acted. So that's, te that's temptation. That's how it works. That's how it plays out. And here, uh, we are uh, praying for something negative. We are to pray that temptation may not happen. Lead us not into temptation. So that's the first half of verse 13. Second half is positive, in a strange sort of way. Because we pray positively that we will be delivered from evil. So the verse is in two halves. The first half negative, second part positive. Lead, uh, deliver us from evil. Well, why is this here in the Lord's Prayer? Well, I got, again, very, very quickly, several reasons to uh, bring to your attention. It reminds us that we're in a spiritual warfare. As uh, sons of Adam, we're born into this world, and we are bound to be on one side or another, on the devil's side or on the Lord's side. Humanity is at the focus of a, a global or even a universal, a cosmic conflict. There's no choice. We're on one side or the other. We can't be neutral. We can't sit on the sidelines like you do watching a game of football and uh, you might decide you're going to support one side and they start losing, so you decide to switch sides and support the winning side. I mean, I don't know what you're like with sport, but uh, I'm a bit like that sometimes. Um, but you can't do that with religion. You can't do that with Christianity. You can't do that. We're born on the devil's side. 
we're born into sin. We're on his side whether we like it or not. The mercy is that some of us have been taken out and put on the Lord's side. But that division of humanity goes right, right back again to, to Genesis. There is enmity between the seed of the woman, that's Christ, and all who belong to Jesus Christ, and the seed of the serpent, and all who belong uh, to him. And it's impossible that those two sides will ever be reconciled. There's no agreement between Christ and Belial. There's no choice to be made. We're either on one side or the other. So that's the first thing. We're in uh, a cosmic conflict. Secondly, it reminds us of the devil himself and of his malice. He is the arch enemy. And ever since our conversion, ever since the new birth, ever since we uh, were reconciled to God and became partakers of the heavenly blessing, he's had a particular focus of hatred for you and you and you and you and me, all of us. Because we've swapped sides. We were his and we are so no longer. No one is regarded with more hatred and more contempt than a turncoat. You see it in politics when someone switches sides. The party that they belong to hate them. They're a turncoat. I don't know if you ever thought about it, but we are the devil's turncoats gathered here tonight. And he hates us for it. That we've left his side. So his anger, his rage is particularly focused on us as Christians, on the church as the place where the gospel is preached and where conversions occur. All his power is concentrated upon destroying Christians, destroying the Christian church. And we need to remind ourselves that we have an enemy and who can still do a great deal of harm. We need to remind ourselves that he is an enemy. There can be no empathy for him. And we're reminded that friendship with the world is enmity uh, to God. So we have a real uh, enemy. And he will do his worst. And so we pray, deliver us from evil. It's a prayer. Deliver us from evil. Why? Because we are weak. We are spiritually weak, thirdly. We are weaker than we think we are. We are often wonderfully unaware of our own vulnerability. We have little insight into the areas of our life where we are really weak. We are unobservant of ourselves. We forget that we need God's help to live the Christian life. And if we forget that, it's not long before we're falling flat on our face. We're told uh, that pride comes uh, before a fall. We're on the front line of a warfare. 
We need to be connected to heaven daily for fresh supplies of grace and mercy. Lastly, this uh, word reminds us to be watchful. Having, freed, having been freed from our sins, Satan is seeking to re-entangle us. He seeks to undo all that work of repentance uh, and forgiveness. He wants to put a division between us and God. He wants to spoil the friendship and the fellowship that we have with God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. He's out to destroy that. He wants to bring chaos and destruction into our lives and into the lives of the church. So therefore, in praying this petition, it should make us mindful to avoid wickedness, to avoid sin, to realize uh, that we need to watch ourselves closely. A great part of the Christian life is just confessing, recognizing before God our own weakness, our own inability, our own need of repentance daily. We pray this prayer so that we might walk a life that is worthy of a Christian, a life that is honoring to God, uh, a life that brings glory to him. There's an awful lot here that I've tried to say uh, in very short time. I've kind of really rushed, but I can see from my watch that the time has gone. Um, but we need to just remind ourselves of these things. Um, there's a verse in, in, in the book of Micah, which I don't suppose is very familiar to any of you. Um, uh, because it's one of the minor prophets, we don't tend to look in those parts of the Bible so often. But in Micah chapter 7, there's a lovely verse. It says, Do not rejoice over me, my enemy, because although I have fallen, I will arise. And I see that as being spoken to Satan. He laughs. He rejoices when we fall and we fall flat on our face. And we might have done that. We might have done that this week. We might have fallen flat on our face this morning. Who knows? I don't know what your circumstances are. But Micah says, do not rejoice, because although I've fallen, I will arise. And that's the great thing uh, about Christianity, that we have a God who is full of grace, a God who is full of mercy. So if we've forgotten these things, uh, if we've got ourselves into a situation like poor John Bunyan with a, a cloud hanging over us, if we feel uh, that we are just useless and worthless, let's come back to God. Let's come back to our Father. Let us seek the forgiveness that is there in the Lord Jesus Christ. And let us pray this prayer uh, and uh, go forth in the strength of that.